Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Talking Sports with Evan. I am your host of the show, Evan with Allison, and it has been a couple weeks since I have uh, done a live show. And, um, you know, there's a, a lot has transpired, a lot has happened since... Um, since I did a last show, the NFL draft has happened. Um, Aaron Rodgers apparently wants out. Um, he apparently wants out of uh, Green Bay. And uh, Packers are trying to smooth things over with him and get things working. The Brewers season is uh, well underway as the Brewers are um, playing pretty good baseball. Could hit better, but playing pretty decent baseball. And the Milwaukee Bucks have clinched the playoff spot, and they are now on the verge of uh, finishing either first, second, or third. Um, four, three games left this, this season. Um, I am, as I mentioned, Evan Witalison, and my Twitter handle at Evan Witt Sports. If you want to interact with me via Twitter, for those that are watching the live stream or the video of the stream, uh, my Twitter handle is there in the video box. And my email, talkingsportswithevan at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts, concerns, comments that you would like to make in regards to the show, um, they are welcome. So the Packers had a draft since I talked last. Um, and they have some new players on their team. So that is obviously one thing I'm going to, you know, get to but that was overshadowed um the the nfl draft was overshadowed due to an adam scheffler report that aaron Rodgers wanted out he had no interest and no intent of playing for the packers again that is what was reported on draft night a night that it's supposed to be about the players and who are getting drafted, it turns into a night of Aaron Rodgers drama. And I'm not going to talk too much about the Rodgers drama as I don't know everything. All I know is what's being reported on ESPN, what's being reported locally in Wisconsin, what's being reported in the papers and the newspaper, you know, the magazines, whatever. That is what I know about the situation. I don't know all the facts. And in reality, nobody does. There's probably probably around a handful of people that truly know what's going on. Maybe a little more than a handful. Aaron Rodgers obviously won. The Packers front office is obviously won. And then probably James Jones, A.J. Hawk, and uh, John Kuhn. They probably truly know what's going on and what the truth is too. But they're only sharing what I'm sure for on Jones, Hawk, and Kuhn's case, they're only sharing what the what Aaron Rodgers wants shared at this point. Packers are only sharing what they want shared at this point. So I don't really know what's going on. And frankly, neither do you. Neither does anybody of you listening to the show know what's truly going on with Aaron Rodgers, the Packers, and this whole weird situation with him allegedly wanting out. I don't doubt that he's frustrated. I don't doubt that he's upset. Okay? That I strongly believe. But 
yes, Adam Scheffler's reporting was correct. There is an issue between the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, the front office more in particular. To downplay what he said based off the comments he made on Dan Patrick's show, a little... I I don't agree with that. Now, did he did he raise some eyebrows when he said that it wasn't any particular source that made him decide to reveal it when he did, and it was based off of accumulation of information and observation and observing and whatnot? It made it seem a little weird, but there's definitely a rift between the two. How serious? How deep? We don't know. Charles Woodson hinted that there could be a problem down the road. Jason Wody on Wody and Tausch on ESPN Wisconsin. He talked about how there could be an issue or there's likely going to be an issue down the road. They warned you and nobody wanted to listen to it because it's all drama and hearsay and you're just looking for stories to tell because you're bored. No, there, there is definitely going to be a problem amongst the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. That was a no doubt. That was a no-brainer. Now, as I said, how serious it is, how deep it goes, we don't know. And we're truly never going to know for the fact that until Aaron Rodgers comes up and tells us, comes out publicly and tells us what we want, what he wants us to hear about it, because that's the other thing. What does Aaron Rodgers want us to know about the situation? It doesn't matter what... Um, is truly going on. It's what does he want us to know about the situation. And until he comes up publicly and says that, we truly don't know if this is fixable or not. So my advice for those um, freaking out with the Rodgers thing is just let it play out. Whatever happens is going to happen. Right now, as of May 12th at... 6.27 p.m., Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. And he is the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers until he isn't anymore. So the other part, what is his reasons to be mad and does, is he justified? And from what I'm hearing, I, I, I understand where he's coming from. He's been around for 16 years, okay? Aaron Rodgers has been in the NFL for 16 seasons, right? He's been playing at a all-pro level or better for a good chunk of those those years. And he he doesn't feel his voice is being heard. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is saying he wants personnel decision making power. I don't think he's saying that at all. He just wants to know what the hell is going on in the front office because, you know, he comes out publicly and states that Jay Kumaro has had a great camp. I'm a big fan of his. I think, you know, I, I'm, I really like him. And then the next day they cut him. I guarantee you if Rodgers, who is very protective of his public appearance, if Aaron Rodgers knows that Kumaro is going to get cut the next day, I'm sure he doesn't give him that strong of an endorsement. I, I, I'm fairly positive. He does not give Kumaro that strong of an endorsement. So there's that. Cutting Jordy Nelson, I'm sure, still weighs heavily on Rodgers' heart. Not re-signing Randall Cobb is probably something that weighs heavily. Not calling Brian Bulaga. And Rodgers is a smart guy. You know, he understands the business of football. He probably just feels that 
a little bit more could have been done to try to work things out with Bulaga or Nelson or Cobb so they could still be here in Green Bay. That's probably what he thinks. Or he would have been liked to be consulted on when they were drafting Jordan Love or making these moves of releasing or not contacting these people. I'm sure he just wanted to be alerted and said, hey, this is the direction that we're going into. Um, we understand they're your friends. We get that. But, hey, this is a business. They're not producing where we want them to produce. And we got to give somebody else a chance. And it didn't help that they ended up signing Jimmy Graham after cutting Jordy Nelson, hoping that they could get something out of Jimmy Graham, which I know Rodgers and Jimmy Graham became close. But I'm sure, you know, you probably could have got the same production out of Jordy Nelson, if not better, if you would have kept him another year. Again, I don't know. I don't know everything. And again, as I said, I suggest you focus on just letting it play out before you get too worked up in any of the situation. Um, I want Rodgers to be my quarterback. I want him to be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers until he's no longer showing that he can be effective. And in two injury plagued years in a row, it made probably made uh, uh, Goot think that, you know what, we may need to start thinking future here. And then Rodgers came out and had an MVP year. But now it's up to Rodgers and the Packers to fix whatever the problem is. And like I said, freaking out about every move isn't going to be good for your health or anybody's health. Just let it play out is really what I got to say. And don't overreact to the Packers signing Blake Bortles to be uh, on the roster because they need bodies at quarterback. They basically, for offseason stuff, they have Jordan Love. Rodgers doesn't have to report to anything until June. So they got Jordan Love, and for the rookie minicamps, they got nobody. They got no quarterbacks that can participate on their roster right now. They need quarterbacks to make rookie minicamps work. And they need extra quarterbacks in camp, mini camps, and beginning part of training camp when you have 90 guys on your roster to make things work. Um, if and when Rodgers reports, it's probably not going to be till June or July. And yes, Jordan Love needs all the reps he can get. But with that said, you need more bodies to throw the ball around. And Boros, as much as he has not lived up to his draft status. He is a guy who knows the offense that the Packers are running. He's uh, he's worked in the system before. Um, he coached, he played with uh, the offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett in Jacksonville, had his most success in Jacksonville. He played for the Rams in 2019 and in 2020, being their backup. So he knows the, 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 the offensive system that they run. So I don't think Blake Bortles is an insurance policy in case Rodgers doesn't come back. I think he's an insurance policy in case Jordan Love isn't quite ready to be the primary backup. You know, you lost Tim Boyle. Yes, Tim Boyle is not an NFL-quality starting quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. But he was good enough to help you prepare for Sundays. And that's what the Packers are looking for. A quarterback that's going to help them prepare for Sundays, help their defense get ready, help the offensive game plan get instilled, installed. And they don't know if Jordan Love is ready to play, play quarterback on Sundays, let alone help get everybody else prepared for Sundays. 
So you're bringing in an insurance policy. That's how I look at it. And I could be wrong. It won't be the first time. It won't be the last time. I'm wrong quite a bit, to be honest. A couple, you know, a couple people I know will probably tell you I'm wrong 99.999% of the time. I don't think I'm wrong quite that much, but I am, I'm wrong sometimes. But the thing is, you just have to, you know, kind of look at it from the Packers' perspective, the front office perspective. They have a quarterback that's not happy at the moment, who I think, I think eventually will report, and it will be the quarterback for the Packers in 2021. And you have a guy you just drafted in 2020 who hasn't played a snap in over a year, who you don't know if he's quite ready yet to take that next step to be the primary backup of the Green Bay Packers. So you need insurance for that. And they're probably going to sign another quarterback before their June mini camps too. Bring bring somebody in to fill the roster because um, you can have 90 guys on the roster right now. And I don't think they're quite there yet. So... That, that's my thoughts, my take, my opinion on this whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Just let it play out and don't overreact to everything, especially with the schedule officially being released tonight. I know that most of the schedule has been leaked already. We know who they're playing. Just a matter of figuring out what times and day, what week. Don't play too much into it. The Packers still have an international brand that even with or without Rodgers, especially if you have... Um, you know, now love starting. Now you have another reason to try to market that game as one of the top games of the weekend because that's a huge story if Jordan Love ends up being your starter. Or if Rodgers is there like I plan. Rodgers is a MVP front runner, defending MVP, looking to win a second Super Bowl in his career. So moving on, Packers draft. I have not had a chance to comment on the Packers draft. And I was going to do a live draft show, but stuff got in the way. And then the last two weeks just have not been able to or feeling up to doing a podcast. Today I feel up to it. Today I feel fired up. I'm uh, ready to go. My shirt's helping me keep showing up. Jenny Fisher on uh, Twitter, find her, order the shirt. It's to help raise awareness for mental illness and suicide ideation, people who deal with suicidal ideations. Motivation is to keep showing up every day. Um, I like the Packers draft. I think from a talent perspective and from a need perspective, the Packers did a good job of getting guys who fit what they need. Um, Now it's coming out that they likely wanted Bateman, wide receiver, out of Minnesota with the first round, but the Ravens took him first. So the next guy up on their board, Eric Stokes. And... Eric Stokes has some things that worry me. Um, he's probably better more of a press corner than his own corner. But we'll see if his scheme, uh, if his ability help can be, he can transfer to, uh, to more of his own scheme with his ability. He's big, 6'1". He's fast as hell, 4'3", 40 fast. He's 6'1", 194. He can run. He ran a 4'25", uh, and 4'29", at his pro day. And he brings speed to the opposite side of Alexander. Or if you want to move Alexander inside, now he gives you another option outside. I like the Eric Stokes pick. And I know some people are whining because he could have been around in the second round or whatever. No, they know who they wanted. He was number one on their board, so they took him. I like the Eric Stokes pick. Um, Second round, 62 overall. They took Josh Mayers for a center out of Ohio State. 
you've lost your all-pro center to the Chargers. Highest paid center in the game now. Highest paid center in NFL history now. You lost him. So you need to replace him. And that's what they did potentially with taking Josh Mayers. He is 6'5", 313. He can also play guard. Hell, there's a chance he could probably play tackle in a pinch too. They need, they need right tackle help. Maybe he can do that too. But you needed help on the O-line and you got help. They traded up in the third round for Clemson ride receiver Amari Rogers, who was basically destined to be a Green Bay Packer. His dad uh, coached Randall Cobb, who people compare um, Rodgers to a little bit. Rod, uh, Cobb even says Rodgers is going to be a better better example uh, version of himself. He can play the slot. He can play the outside. He's got great hands. He's got great yards after the catch ability. He can do your jet sweeps. He can be your motion guy. He just brings that piece that the Packers were hoping Tyler Irvin could be, but he couldn't stay healthy. And they were hoping that um, Tavon Austin could be, but he couldn't hang on to the football. Um, and that's what they hope they get now with Amari Rodgers. Fourth round, um, they ended up trading one of their fourth round picks to move up to get Rodgers. With their fourth round pick they had left, they took O-lineman Royce Newman out of Mississippi. Another guy who you can plug and play at guard or tackle, potentially. Um, you might have needed either or, depending on what you do with Jenkins. If he's going to move into center, is he going to kick out the left or right tackle until Bakhtiari's ready? Newman gives you versatility and depth. And you read about him, he um, he fits what the Packers look for in an offensive lineman. His, his profile fits what the Packers want. Versatility, position versatility. That's what they want. Um. To Darryl Slayton in the fifth round, big defensive lineman, 6'4", 330. They need bodies to play next to Kenny Clark. Um, Dean Laurie's not it. Um, Lancaster's not it. Kiki could be it, but you still need another body. Slayton gives you a true nose tackle, so you can kind of move. Uh, um, you can kind of move Kenny Clark around a little bit. Um, you don't have to play him at nose because he's really the only guy in the roster you had that could do the nose tackle spot. Now you have another guy, and you can move Kenny Clark around a little bit and get him more one-on-one -on -one matchups. And remember, Kenny Clark was an animal the last couple weeks of the season, like the last handful of weeks when he finally got healthy. Their other fifth-round pick, Shamar Jean Charles, he's a guy that can play out of the slot. He, uh, he's a guy that he's not the fastest, but he's a guy that can um, play out of the slot. He can play zone. Um, could be your Josh Jackson replacement. He can play special team, which is something Josh Jackson has not been entrusted to do at this point in his career. So he could replace Jackson. He could, he could replace Sullivan on this roster right away as a rookie out of that slot. The sixth round, they took Wisconsin offensive lineman Cole Van Lannan. Again, you need offensive line help. You lost uh, Wagner. You lost Lindsley. Bakhtiari could be out for a few weeks. You need help on the O-line. Cole Van Lannan is another tackle guard guy that you can play pretty much anywhere on the offensive line. And at this point, with Newman, with Van Lannan, with Mayers, uh, you're going to have a you're going to have a lot, a big, huge battle for the interior portion of the Packers' offensive line for backups. John Runyon Jr., Van Lannan, Newman. 
they're all going to be fighting for those interior offensive line spots. Isaiah McDuffie, linebacker from Boston College, he's a solid guy. Um, add, add position depth outside of Barnes and Martin. Um, he's a position, he has position depth. They probably still need another linebacker, more of a veteran to help out there. And then in the seventh round, you take Kylan uh, Hill because he needs a third back. The Packers use three backs a lot, and they need a third back. So with Aaron Jones and Dylan, and uh, they, obviously they lost Jamal Williams, you uh, bring Hill in. He's another guy that can uh, give you another weapon on offense. He's got pretty decent hands. He can run. His body body type is similar to Aaron Jones. His playing style is similar to Jamal Williams. So you're giving yourself some position, depth, and versatility, things that the Packers love. So overall, and I'm not going to grade the players they took. Because you don't, to me, you don't grade a draft in, in these to a couple years down the road. But based off the need and the talent level they got, I'll definitely give this draft a high B, B-plus range. Now, they didn't have any really, quote, sexy picks, but they got a lot of solid football players that can help contribute either offense, defense, or, or uh, special teams pretty early um, and then you cope that with last year's draft class, uh, Dylan, Degara, um, those guys, Martin, Burns, who's an undrafted free agent, Runyon, all guys that can are uh, going to be a huge role on this year's team. Uh, Jay Sternberger, Josh Jackson has a battle uh, to fight to try to stay on this roster. You know, you have a lot of guys that the Packers are hoping and banking that are going to take that next step in year two, year three, year four to make a push for the Super Bowl. But the draft is definitely going to help with your depth, definitely help improve the back end of your roster, back end of your 53-man. And I'm excited to see what these guys do once training camp starts. Brewers. So I am not too worried about the Brewers. Am I worried about their hitting? Yes. Um... Their hitting is definitely concerning. Um, they have one of the worst offenses in baseball. As a team, um, they are in the bottom five in batting average, the three with a 215 average. They have a 298 on base percentage, a 362 slugging, and 660 um, OPS on the year. They are striking out at an alarming rate. Yes, I'm worried about the Brewers' offense. Um, and I bring that up because I have some couple friends of mine that are very critical on the Brewers, especially on their pitching side. I'm not worried about the Brewers pitching. The Brewers are ninth in baseball, the team ERA of 358. They're one of the top teams in the league when it comes to whip. They're one of the top teams in the league when it comes to batting average. They do give up a few too many home runs and a few too many walks from time to time, but they are a solid team with a solid bullpen and I think the Brewers are going to be fine. Baseball is a long season. You don't want to get too worked up on what happens on May 11th or May 12th. Um, you want to, you know, obviously, yes, one game could make the difference between a division win and loss. But if you get too worked up after every win or loss, you're going to be worn out by the All-Star break. Um, the other thing with the Brewers I want to mention is I've seen a few people critical of Council quote, pulling guys too early. And they used yesterday, as an example, Freddie Peralta. I don't have an issue with what Greg Council is doing with the starting rotation right now. Try to get them through six innings. That's the magic number. Get them through six innings. 
because your bullpen lays out perfectly with Fire Ryzen, with Devin Williams, with Josh Hader, 7th, 8th, and ninth. And yesterday, the Brewers laid it out perfect. You get Freddie Peralta through 7. They've maybe stretched him an extra inning because they thought they, if, they need, if the game went into extra innings, they wanted uh, Fire Ryzen for that 10th if they needed it. They were hoping they wouldn't get that far, but they probably felt they needed Fire Ryzen in the 10th. Devin Williams, who's not given up a run in several weeks now, got in a little bit of trouble early, and ultimately he got out of it without much damage. Unfortunately, with one out, with runners on second and third, got into uh, got a guy to hit into a sack fly. Ideally, you'd want him to strike out or infield pop-up or shallow pop-up, but you got a sack fly. Now it's tied. And then ninth inning, Hader does his thing. Tenth inning, Fire Eyes and do their thing. So the pitching did their job. And I know you're going to look at the final score, see 6-1, to one, and say, no, the pitching didn't do their job. Yes, the pitching did their job against the Cardinals game one of the series on May 11th. They did their job. The hitting didn't do their job. They had numerous times when they had runners in scoring position, bases loaded, runners on, leadoff man on second, and they couldn't drive him in. In the 10th inning, they had the leadoff guy on second, and they couldn't, all they needed was one run to win, and they couldn't drive him in. That is the problem with the Brewers right now. And maybe when Nevaez comes back, maybe when Yelich comes back, maybe some of that gets fixed with the offense. But I'm not worried about the pitching. I'm not worried about Craig Council's decision on pulling pitchers on with 94 pitchers in the seventh. I wouldn't have used Freddie Peralta in the eighth. I would have pulled him after seven, too. Yeah, he may have looked mad that he got pulled out the game, but in reality, he's a 24-year-old who hasn't thrown a lot of innings in one season for uh, yet. Last season was a shortened season. You want his arm at peak efficiency come August, September, October, so you don't want to overwork his arm now. You don't want to give him too many innings now. You don't want to give him too many pitches now. You want to have him work his arm up so that later in the year he can go maybe a little deeper in games. I have no issue with Council kind of be, you know take you know taking care of Woody Barnes and um, uh, Peralta right now because we, we need we we just need to win games, which for the most part they are take series and be ready to get hot come August and September. And you need Woody, you need Corbin Burns, you need Freddie Peralta at peak efficiency then. Um, right now, you just need to get by and get some Ws. Then you need them being able to shut teams out. So that's kind of my take. I think Council does a great job managing who he's putting in in certain situations from a bullpen perspective, pulling pitchers at the right time, using the right guys. And again, yesterday laid out perfect for what the Brewers want. Williams, Hader, 8th and ninth, And then 7th if your pitcher goes a 6. Fire Rise in 7th. Williams, 8th. Hader, ninth. The way all three of them are pitching right now, 9 times out of 10, that game is over if you have a lead after 6 innings. That's how good those three are pitching right now. So, and then the Bucks. 
people are, they lose to the Spurs and people are freaking out that they ain't going to stand a chance to do anything. And I'm guilty too. I commented that, um, you know, if the Bucks keep playing down to their opponent, they're going to have a hard time getting out of that first round, let alone going into the Nets or the 76ers in the second round. They got to take care of business when they're playing teams that they have no business uh, losing to like San Antonio. They did that against Orlando last night. They took care of business, got the win. Um, but they have some things they got to work on. And I think the Bucks are going to be okay. Um, teams, you know, now you have Kyrie Irving took an elbow to the, to the head. I don't know how long he's going to be out. Harden's finally coming back after being out for how many weeks? Who knows if he's fully healthy. LeBron hasn't played in quite a while on the Western side. Um, this could be a year the Bucks can... Uh, get through to the NBA Finals based off of uh, some of the problems and issues that um, other teams are having. So with that said, I got to let you go. I got a meeting I got to get to. I appreciate those watching, those listening. Coach Evan 66 at gmail.com. If you're interested in trying to lose some weight before the summer gets here, I want to help you. Let me know. At Evan with Sports on Twitter. Talking Sports with Evan at gmail.com. Hit me up and let me know um, what if you have any questions or if you want to talk. Uh, mention anything on the show. With that said, talk to you all later. Have a good one.